0: Welcome to CFAS Podcast. I'm Michael Hedstrom, Director of the Closed End Fund Association. Today we're discussing real estate and potential opportunities for closed end fund investors. I'm pleased to have Steve Burton from CBRE Clarion Securities joining me for this very timely conversation. CBRE Clarion Securities is a global investment management firm specializing in real assets, including real estate, MLPs, and infrastructure securities, and is an independent affiliate of the CBRE Group. Steve has over 32 years of real estate investment management experience. He is co-chief investment officer and a member of the firm's management committee. In addition, Steve is a senior global portfolio manager and co-leader of the European real estate securities research team. Steve, thank you for participating in our podcast today.
1: Yeah, thank you, Michael. Thanks for uh, allowing us to, to describe the listed real estate opportunity here and to take part in an important
0: CIFA podcast. Very much appreciated. Let's start with a brief overview of the real estate market. Some investors may be concerned about rising interest rates and the impact on real estate investments. At the same time, economic growth and inflation are often tailwinds for REITs during a period of rising interest rates. Can you share your perspective on what you're seeing in the real estate market and also what's your outlook going forward? Although REIT stocks can be volatile in the short term and interest rates
1: begin to to move higher and interest rate risk becomes more prevalent, they tend to perform well in the long term as you look through this time period of rising interest rates. And the reason, I suppose, is the obvious one, which may not be apparent to investors in the short term, and that is typically rates go up because economic conditions are improving. The Fed's looking at employment stats, is looking at statistics which reflect the economic health of the country in the case of the U.S., And rates are increased as a result of that. The Fed, as an example, has raised policy rates twice this year with another rate rise expected during the second half. But this ultimately is good for demand. It's good for demand of commercial real estate. It ultimately flows through to the top line of the real estate companies. So REITs, as we've studied this, looking at both longer-term rates via the 10-year and short-term rates via the Fed funds rate have performed well as we look through these time periods of rates increasing. You know, I would note, too, that with a global strategy, which is what we have, we can take advantage of economic and real estate cycles that differ depending on where you are in in, in the globe. The growth can be uneven depending on geography and property type. As an example, the European property stocks are up strongly this year as political risk has been mitigated post-French elections, and as more importantly, it becomes clear that economic growth is improving off of a low base. A lot of of investors don't know it, but real GDP growth in the Eurozone is just a touch behind that of the U.S. That applies to both 2016 and what's expected this year in 2017. Uh, European property stocks are up over 15% year-to-date. You know, moving to Asia, Hong Kong, and Singapore... Again, are responding to uh, economic news, which is kind of less bad, and property fundamentals, which in some property types are at an inflection point. So Hong Kong and Singapore stocks up over 20% year-to-date. So this rising kind of rate phenomenon can differ depending on geography. And again, ultimately, is good for real estate demand, not bad. And that's reflected in performance as you look through that cycle.
0: And, Steve, that's a good transition into my next question. For investors looking to boost their income and broaden their diversification, REITs may represent an attractive opportunity. Can you elaborate on the benefits of REITs and why investors and advisors should consider including REITs in their portfolio? Yeah, REITs are the listed way to own commercial real estate.
1: And, and by listed, of course, I mean they trade every day on, on the major stock exchanges of the globe, uh, with that, there is uh, liquidity. Uh, real estate is an asset class which historically looking back you know decades, has been privately owned. it's been opaque. It's been difficult for the individual investor in particular to, to invest in. So with, with REITs, so a real estate investment trusts, or more broadly just listed property companies, this investor can you know, can access property types, and geographies that otherwise couldn't be accessed. As an example, in the U.S., uh, the vast majority of malls, regional malls, like the shopping malls, are owned by the listed property companies. So if you want exposure to the Class A mall business in particular in the U.S., you almost have to invest in the REITs. Simon Property Group, which is the largest REIT in the U.S., you know, single-handedly, as an example, owns over 20% of the Class A malls in the nation. So that's point number one. If you go outside the U.S., this access might include some of the Asian markets in, in particular, or say German residential, which, which again, otherwise, are property types that would be almost impossible to invest in uh, for an, in, an individual. Two, diversification. This is huge. I mean, one REIT may own 400 properties. You know, and this portfolio of REITs could easily number... 60, 70 companies, each of which owns many, many properties. So with the REITs is immediate diversification, diversification which really cannot be replicated in the private markets, certainly not in sort of the classic commingled fund, which has been how real estate's been owned by institutions if you go back decades. So the diversification benefits of of REITs are significant. Um, Third, transparency. Uh, REITs have brought a much higher level of corporate governance to the ownership of real estate governance, including conservative leverage levels. The average debt to total enterprise value right now among REITs is in the 30% range, which is low versus private real estate and versus the history of real estate. There's a lot of transparency with respect to, to quarterly earnings releases and kind of teams of analysts and portfolio managers, including us asking management hard questions and kind of measuring whether or not they've created shareholder value apples to apples or on a per-share basis over time. So a lot more transparency. Uh, with this discipline of capital allocation, a lot of real estate investment trusts not only have to have a very strong CEO, but they, they need a strong CFO, uh, someone who's helping to allocate that capital, again, so that it adds value to shareholders over time. Uh, the universe of listed property companies is... Big and it's expanding, approximately three trillion U.S. in equity market cap and and over one thousand real estate companies. So, it represents kind of an increasing slice of the overall global real estate pie, an an increasingly important way to own real estate, both for institutions and individuals. Last, maybe this is second to last. If you look at the long-term performance, you know the the long-term performance. At real estate stocks versus competing asset classes, uh, namely equities and fixed income, is is very competitive. Uh, so it's rewarded investors over time. And last, I just would note that the defining characteristic of REITs, of course, is current income. It's the dividend yield. It's it's current income. Be it be it the dividend. Uh, you know, REITs by by structure need to disperse the majority of their income to shareholders, so that that generates an attractive dividend yield uh, versus other asset classes.
0: We have discussed the topic of active and passive management in several of the CFA podcasts lately, and the fact that both can and do play important roles in building diversified portfolios. With that said, what are some advantages of investing in REITs with an experienced active manager versus using passively managed investments such as ETFs?
1: Real estate's An industry which lends itself to active management, given the need for local information in a global portfolio and a business which has been very local historically. It is true that passive strategies have expanded in in recent years, you know, since the global financial crisis, during which time a lot of central banks globally have, have been actively managing monetary policy. And distorted a number of factors which have contributed to, to investors looking at a, a passive strategy. But we, we believe as we look past this post TFC time period though, that active management will ultimately be rewarded given our access to research, again, in the local markets and, and our, our underwriting, which uh, pays a lot of attention to real estate value. We don't like to buy companies that are trading at premiums to the underlying real estate value. So, as we write underwrite these companies, fundamentally, we, we know that that approach uh, pays off over time. And with this too, we we think we're finally, you know, as I, I mentioned briefly before, we're finally entering a time period where interest rates are being normalized. The yield curve, you know, arguably will shift up as we look forward. And and in this environment, fundamental uh, real estate underwriting again should be should be rewarded. You know, last. On this, too, um, one part of the market where active management definitely has paid off you know, in the past and will in the future is during any market downturn or any, any market turbulence. Um, active managers have the ability to
0: protect on the downside much more materially than a passive strategy. And that's a very good point. Let's turn specifically to closed-end funds. After the financial crisis, the REIT closed-end fund landscape consolidated dramatically can you highlight some of the benefits of using the closed end fund structure to invest in REITs, and talk briefly about the overall closed end fund real estate space?
1: Okay, if we look at the context here. Uh, there's over 500 funds in the, the closed end fund space, and uh, only nine investing in listed real estate companies, so we're, we're one of those nine, virtually... Not all. Most of those nine are invested in a U.S. only strategy. I I will point out that this nine is, you know, down from 24 pre GFC, so there was a lot of consolidation following the financial crisis. But given its global nature, you know, IGR is is one of the few funds that that affords the diversification of, of being global and in markets which otherwise are not not offered by closed end funds we can invest in in you know London and the UK Asia Pacific as mentioned and and markets throughout Europe as well as the US of course with this we get lower correlation and investment characteristics that that differ from a US only strategy i would note that with the closed end fund Structure too. We, we can do things that um, cannot be done with open end funds, including using tactical leverage to generate dividend and current yield and to enhance that, that yield to the underlying investor. And so that's, that's, that's an advantage that closed end funds inherently have uh, versus open end funds.
0: As we have mentioned, the opportunity for higher and consistent income is why investors are often drawn to closed end funds. You mentioned the fund that you manage, which is one of the largest global real estate closed-end funds. How do you manage the income and distribution component? And you earlier also mentioned leverage. And what are your thoughts on using leverage in this environment? And where do you see opportunities?
1: Yeah, I mean, our fund IGR is one of the largest funds in its space at approximately a billion two, 000, 000, which you know, which is more than twice as big um, the average for the other funds. As mentioned, the defining characteristic of real estate stocks is current income via the uh, dividend. I can tell you that, you know, although I mentioned leverage, we do use leverage very modestly. Our leverage is a lot lower than a lot of the other funds. Uh, we're not comfortable with high, high levels of leverage. So we truly use it to enhance current yield via the dividend. Uh, but in in a modest way, our leverage over time is averaged eight percent, you know which is less than than half of if not less than a third uh, the average of of leverage among competing funds. And the opportunities as we you know look at the world of listed property stocks is to focus on companies that pay attractive total return anchored by the dividend yield so that that we in turn can pay out a distribution yield which uh, is approximately eight percent right now on the fund. So what does that opportunity mean? That means investing in the REITs of the UK, the REITs of Western Europe, including some of the dominant retail companies and companies invested in, in for example, uh, Northern Europe, including German residential, which which I met, mentioned in the Asia Pacific region, it's going to mean a skew to the Australian rates. Australia is always the poster child of an attractive combination of yield and growth. Average div yield in Australia is above average, uh, globally and, and the real estate markets there, um, are very strong. Right now, we do look for special dividends periodically companies. Sell properties or generate um, significant gains, which result in special dividends. So we're we're positioned to capture some of those above average distributions. Uh, we do consider the preferred stocks in the U.S. as well. Uh, the U.S. preferred stocks of of the real estate investment trusts are a material, you know, part of a portfolio strategy with with respect to to generating income. So, you know, REITs by definition uh, generate income and and within that, we, we actively, you know, seek to kind of harvest the, the, the best of that while generating attractive total return.
0: And Steve, in summary, what are two, three key points about investing in real estate that you would like to leave us with today?
1: You know, real estate is an asset class that has stability of cash flows, which come from the leases, uh, lease terms in duration, you know, average five to eight years. So there's a contractual nature to those cash flows. Despite interest rates, you know, nudging up recently in the U.S., the fact remains that we remain in in a slow growth world. Economic growth is positive and it's proving and it's expanding, but but with this slow growth, an asset class which offers an attractive combination of yield via the dividend and contractual underlying growth, we would argue is is very attractive versus competing asset classes. Uh, The REITs, Just to reinforce, provide diversification, not only by geography, but property type. They importantly provide liquidity, which I talked about in an asset class, which over the decades looking back has been encumbered by illiquidity to solve that problem. Uh, It enables me as a portfolio manager to quickly take advantage of value opportunities and to reshape the portfolio literally on a daily basis. And lastly, you know, I'd point point out that that real estate is cheap via the listed markets. The listed markets trade at nearly a 10% discount, but we think the value of the real estate is in the private markets. So it's an attractive way to access commercial real estate in a liquid and diversified format. I would note too that if you just look at the sheer performance, the REITs, and this is an industry comment, has historically outperformed other asset classes within the closed-end fund universe. You know, with total return, for example, over the, the past three years exceeding 8%, you know, versus the closed-end fund average, which is less than 5% over this time period. So we, we expect this type of uh, absolute performance and
0: relative performance to continue as we look forward. Thank you, Steve. This was very informative. And as always, I appreciate your perspective and insight. Thanks, Michael. You can find more insight from CBRE Clearance Securities and information about their closed-end funds on their website at www.cbreclarion.com. I also encourage you to visit cifa.com, which is your comprehensive resource for education, data, and timely insight on closed-end funds. Thank you all for listening. I hope you received some good takeaways from today's conversation. Have a great day.